you know, but I mean, this is the time, that's the time to do some of that because, you know, we all know as soon as you get out of school, it's sit your ass at the desk and draft, fool, because I don't have time to pay you to play with, you know, the $1,500 plug-in that you just bought. What's architecture really about? Archispeak is the show that dares to peek under the architectural kimono, exposing what architecture really is, what it is that architects really do, and show you why we are passionate about our chosen profession. I'm Neil Pan. Join Evan Troxel, Cormac Phelan, and me as we have a casual conversation about all things architecture, which includes all the stuff people don't talk about. Think you already know what architecture is really about? Tune in to find out. It's time for some Archispeak. So welcome to episode 17 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. Um, Evan's got some uh, friends of the show we're going to announce first. That's right. All right. So this week we had three $5 fans. And the first one we've got is Sharon Randall. Thanks, Sharon. The second is Hearth, the mysterious Hearth. And the last but not least $5 fan for this week is Troy Brown. So thanks, everybody. We really appreciate your support. And if anybody would like to consider supporting the podcast and what we're doing here. Uh, $5 minimum donation will get you your name read on the show, and we would love to do that for you. So please uh, look at arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate, and uh, all the information is on that page. And uh, real quick before we start, too, is uh, if you go to arcaspeakpodcast.com slash episodes slash 17... You can find all the notes for the show that we're doing right now, and uh, on every page of the show, there is a on the on the right hand side there is a field that you can put your email address in and get all the show notes emailed to you the day that the podcast goes live, so that you can follow along and not even have to go to the website. How cool is that? So, um, I encourage everyone to do that. It's at arcaspeakpodcast.com. So Cormac, you had you teased us earlier this week about a um, a quote. I guess it was from Frank Gehry, um, and you you have not actually told us what it is. And we thought it'd be kind of fun to have you just read it to us and and get our our raw reaction. So none, none of this is rehearsed. We have no idea what this is. So well, take take it away, Neil. Do you have oh. your your Jeopardy buzzer ready? <laughs> I gotta work on the sound effects. Sorry about that. Who is added in post? All right. What is no? Um, well, so you know, I've we all follow you know so many different um, Facebook, Twitter, and you know other uh, social media posts for different architects, artists, and things like that. And from the art and architecture page of. Um, on Facebook, the people that I follow, it's, it's just called Art and Architecture. Um, they had a, a quote from Frank Gehry. And I guess it, you know, because it was coming off of the heel, you know, reading this, it was coming off of the heels of, you know, one of our previous uh, um, podcasts with talking about constraints and things like that. And all of the dialogue that we had about constraints... This one just kind of hit me as, as as annoying as hell, to be quite honest with you, to, for me. And, oh, now you... and so the quote the quote was, <laughs> I don't know why people hire architects and then tell them what to do. Oh, I've seen that before. I, I, I guess I've seen that on uh, Life of an Architect. It, yeah, well, I, I haven't seen it there. But, I mean, to, to me, um, you know, first, without people, there wouldn't be the architect, you know, the there would be no work for the architects unless you know the architect is the developer himself and paying for it and doing everything all by himself but since we don't live work design and everything else within a bubble and you know we do have all of these other constraints 
first and foremost is what the client actually wants because um, that's what they come to us for you know we you know we were just having kind of a little pre-show chat about you know meeting with clients and things like that and and so they're you know that you know they're they're what drives us right well i see i i honestly see two sides to this you know like everything and that's and that's why i wanted to bring it up and i, I I'm, I'm interested in what other people's reactions to this is because you know i i have i understand you know there's the you know artistic um, aspect where, and even and, and I say this often to every one of our interns, you know we we're ed, we're as much as we are designers, we're also educators, um, and you know they come to us because we have the expertise, but you know to me it just rubbed me the wrong way because you know it's this you know, overbounding ego of the architect basically saying, all right, all right. Yeah. You, you came to me, you told me what you want now go away and let me give you what I think you should have. Well, yeah, I could, I, I think it depends on the mood you're in when you read that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I can totally see where he's coming from when it comes to there's, there's a lot of times where we're working on a project and to kind of take the the opposite position you are, because I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, the the other position is, which I think is still valid, is architects are experts at architecture. And I think a lot of times people don't see it that way. They They know what they know because they've seen it on TV or they've seen it done by a contractor or a developer or whatever. And they go into a meeting or relationship with an architect and they don't treat them like they are the expert at what they do. I I see this all the time working on schools where the perfect way to do it is the way that they did it with the school they built 15 years ago. Oh yeah. And so that is kind of, I think that's where I would be coming from. If I said that, I guess, um, if I had that tone and that, or, you know, if I came at it from that angle. Um, but then I also see it from, from, the side that you presented first too, which is you've got to listen, you've got to discover, you've got to take into account all of the, the constraints that they throw at you. And you've got to come up with a solution that fits them like a glove in, in which case you're, you're taking ego out of it, right? You are, you are purely solving the problem the best way that you can. Right. Well, you know, I mean, and I guess this, I guess the way that I read it and interpreted it, or at least just... It comes you know, off very of, egotistical. Right? It does. And, you know, and I've seen, you know, countless interviews with the guy. And, and he, especially more recently with the uh, um, Eisenhower Memorial here in D.C., where um, they interviewed him over and over again. And there's such an uproar over this design. And nobody wants it from, you know, the local... Um, it's... I can't remember the name of the board, but basically it's a board that, you know, governs like, you know, the art and design, you know, public art and, you know, public works and stuff. Um, and then there's the Eisenhower family and, and everyone else who are just, you know, up in arms. And, and he basically, you know, made, you know, with no apology. And, and, you know, I mean, why should he? He's like, you know, busted his ass trying to do this design and stuff. But, you know, he's just like, well, this is what it is. And, and. You know, I don't really care what you say or what your opinions are and just kind of moved on and, and really throughout the whole battle just kind of didn't budge in his belief that he was right and who cares what they think. Well, that could and, be true, but who knows? In, 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 in my, in that's kind of how I read it based off of, you know, my kind of like my uh, impression of him throughout this little, you know, cause it's, it's pretty big local news um or at least in the architectural community it's pretty big local news but and i just couldn't help but think and think about quotes like this that that's what does architects and architecture a disservice when they see you know some pompous fool getting up there basically sinner's hand this is what it is going to be. And, you know, you can't tell me otherwise. 
and all of the you know the hardworking trench dwellers are just you know sitting there saying man you know that's why you know clients will come up to me and say can you do this for five hundred dollars um all i need is a set of blueprints as we were sort of kind of chatting about pre-show you know and just kind of you know no wonder we have a, a respect problem well you know cormac i i have an interesting example for you i i can understand you know reading that quote um it's it's interesting. I think you have to consider the source of where it's coming from in, in this case. As you said, you've seen interviews with him. You understand where he's coming from when he makes that statement. Um, but let me give you one uh, example of a project uh, that, that I've been working on uh, where the client literally contacted me after they went down that road where they tried to design it themselves. They hired somebody uh, to draw some blueprints for them. And ultimately decided, this really sucks, and it's not what we want. And so they thought, well, okay, we really need an architect. And um, that's when they contacted me. And what's been interesting about the design process with them is that every time I've proposed something, they've, they've, they've mostly liked it, but then they come back to me a week later with all these changes that begin to morph it back into what they didn't want originally, that they said was not what they wanted. But they keep pushing the design uh, back to these kind of awkward spaces and these weird um, you know, arrangements uh, of spaces that uh, were present in the initial design that they said that they ultimately didn't like. And so in that sense, that's, that's a good example of, you know, why are they hiring me when they just keep going back to what they want? And at, at some point, you know, it's like I throw up my hands and say, okay, you're not even listening to my advice anymore. I'm just going to give you what you want because I can't keep continually redesigning this this house right so um you know so in that sense i take his his quote you know from that perspective and say you know why are you hiring me if you just you're not listening yeah you're not going to listen to better advice you know and and ultimately if this is what they want then then that is what they want you know and and who am i to tell them they're wrong it is a delicate balance but yes and and it's very delicate balance but coming from somebody like him you know, there's definitely an ego involved there that, um, you know, it, at least in my example, I'm trying not to be, you know, throwing my ego around, but I'm well, trying to give them good advice and they're not who knows necessarily what, listening. Who knows what the original context was? I mean, that's that's a quote taken completely out of context. Oh, that's true, too. But it is an interesting quote. I mean, whether it's in context or out of context. No, it's a good discussion point, I think. I mean, really, yeah. you know, honestly, people do have a viewpoint of architects coming from that point of view and that's yeah and they they're like why would i want to deal with that ever right and 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 then if you live i i'm guessing i mean i'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt um because i've seen i've seen him quoted and i've seen him in interviews too and i think totally straightforward right well oh yeah you know and you know don't get me wrong i mean you know He's putting himself out there and doing some, you know, fantastic cutting edge work that, you know, we all kind of wish that we could do. Um, leaks. Or, or at least have those it clients and it those leaks. budgets. It goes over budget. Those are all <laughs> well, things we want to do. You know, like I, I you know, and, and I'm probably going to misquote the actual numbers, but um, I remember reading a long time ago when the um, Disney concert hall was um yeah i guess the initial budget was somewhere around the neighborhood of like 50 million or something like that and then ultimately it ended up being like 450 million how 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 i mean well i'm sure it was all the client you know their scope was completely not in alignment with the budget uh, well, yes, that's that's true. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you know, we've all heard of scope creep, but you know, wow, that's a that's not a creep, that's a monster. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, when when we come up with something, and you know, it's just like, well, you know, everything that you've asked for, 
um, and for the budget of 30 million is really going to cost you 35 million. Then you spend most of your time trying to figure out what you can live without with so that you can get back that, you know, get it back under the 30 million mark, you know, just yeah. throwing out a number. Well, you know, this, this is kind of an interesting segue into kind of, um, Evan, what you wanted to also talk about in this episode about, um, yeah, I mean, I think the quote kind of ties in nicely with, um, you know, do we care about that, that exterior and, and what do we want to see out of students out of school, you know, yeah. as, as working professionals? Cause I think that, um, that, that speaks a lot to, to what we're going to get into next. So, uh, go, why don't you go ahead and tell us what, uh, what the question was and, and how that got into uh, what we're going to talk about. So this just came up today and I thought it was a, an interesting topic because the, the question was, we, I, I was, it was, it was really n- a nice visit with a guy who is the Dean of a brand new architecture school, meaning it started two weeks ago. And uh, so he's been in the planning stages for the last two years. And I thought, wow, what an opportunity. Right. Um, and, and he even, went into that a little bit where he was saying, you know, he's going all around the country meeting with all the deans of all the architecture schools and saying, if you could start over, how would you do it with all of your experience? And something that came out from our side of the conversation was um, there's so much emphasis placed on the exterior of the building, exterior architecture. And there was a distinguishment between exterior architecture and interior architecture, which I thought was interesting um, because I don't necessarily distinguish between the two myself, but this person did. And so basically the, the, the point was students coming out of school are very good skinners. And I, the first time I'd heard that, right? But totally makes sense to me. And, and this kind of leads into something that is a reoccurring topic in my studio, which is, is architecture fashion or, or not, right? And so I thought that that's kind of an interesting topic to talk about. Well, you know, um, I, I was wanted to just quickly address um, the fashion statement. And no, architecture isn't fashion. Um, and when people believe that that's kind of what we do um, or if we believe that that's what we do then we're not really looking at what we really do which is you know whole building design well there is ar- interior, you can't exterior, everything and yeah well you can't argue though that there is not architecture that is not fashion i mean there is oh. there's a lot of architecture that only is fashion well you can say that you but know, you're saying by defining architecture by defining it just simply on how it looks you know it's curvaceous appeal that you know we see from the street and all that other stuff that's not that really you've just limited architecture to just you know like the street appeal um and you know, but we do it it goes back to what we were talking about with the geary thing we do it to ourselves when we make these magazines, you know, I mean, isn't in a way, isn't architecture and architectural record basically just a, you know, architectural playboy? Oh, you know, well, we look at we Arc Daily. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, we open up, we just look at the the glossy pictures. Well, not only that, but how long do you look at the glossy picture? About I two mean, seconds before I mean, you I only scroll really through read it for the articles. But. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um but i mean we're looking for the centerfold i mean we're just yeah. we're not really doing ourselves justice by you know and so that's what people who are going to architecture school they're looking at Ooh, i want to you know they're flipping through these magazines and um i i'm, I'm going to avoid saying what i was thinking but um they're looking through these magazines this is a looking PG at all these... rated show so <laughs> is it well, well, we sometimes. don't have the explicit tag, but sometimes, yeah. Okay. But I mean, you know, you're looking at all these pictures, and they're like, "That's what I want to do." You know, I, w- I want to do that. And, but nobody, nobody, 
ever really sits down. I mean, unless did you, uh, I'm asking, did you guys have this, but did anybody sit down with you and really explain to you what architects really do? I mean, a lot of people just think we do the pretty pictures. You know, we just draw buildings. You know, and well, that's because that's what blueprints. people they, people blueprints. see architecture as a product. I think most of the time, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, so you know we we and so back to that your is the society well, but, we live but, in. But Cormac, you know, if you think back in school, and and I don't know what what school's like now, but uh, all the projects, you know, back when when I was in school, um, and taking out the old man cane here, no, just just that. You know, if you were really good with your graphics, you know, pencils and ink exactly. markers and stuff like that, um, I always called it, is it the steak or the sizzle? You know, uh, is it is it a good holy project or crap. is it just like, holy crap, did you, you know, just this say, guy's, what, what, what no, did I just say, what? You said exactly what a client not too long ago said, I'm not worried about the steak. I for this presentation, we just want to see the sizzle, and I'm I've never serious? heard that before. I swear to you, I've <laughs> never heard that before. That that is an you, old saying from an architect I used to work for. And, like, well, you know, he years is on ago. the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, news travels slowly out. Three you. years behind. <laughs> no, the problem is, is that we said it a decade ago, oh. and it got out to you guys. You already forgot. Oh, no, it. and it's yeah. we had already forgotten about yeah, it. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So, no, but, you know, what what I was getting at was, you know, the the projects that look good. I mean, if you've got the great graphic hand and there was rarely, you know, there's always that one or two people uh, in class that not only had the great graphic hand, um, you know, the pens and the markers and everything, uh, but then they had a great, great design work. But most people, you know, there, there might be some great graphics out there but you know you start looking at the project and it's like no maybe we'll we'll get into this maybe later but it's art it doesn't well this well and this that is but this plays right into that quote that i that i put down which you you didn't like which is you know what was that oh let me me look at (laughs) that no design has to work art design has to work and art does not i mean donald Donald judd we'll have a link to that in the show notes I think that's a great quote because, I mean, that really gets to the heart of this issue for me is that's the difference between architecture and a building. And that's the difference between architecture and fashion, which is the real problem solving to me happens in the planning of the of the building. And that is when you are going through the process with the client and and you are working out the solution to all of the things that are issues to them. And hopefully there's a lot of them, and those are the constraints that we're that we've been talking about. Um, so so look at the Walt Disney Concert Hall, fashion or, you know, is that art or design? It leaks. Have you been in it? No, I haven't actually. I've I've the last time we were in Los Angeles, I hunted it down and we walked past it. Didn't oh. walk in it because okay. And so your your street perspective yeah. reaction was what? Oh, it was, you know, it was eye candy. It was, wow, this, look at this thing. Well, this yeah. Is, you know, but what, how the hell did they make that thing real? I mean, yeah. that's, that's what you see when you walk up and, and you, and you can walk around it and you can touch that building. Right. But that's what we see. As that's true. More seasoned people versus somebody who's coming in. You know, and, and I'm just talking about the perspective of this guy who was asking you about what you want to see, you know, out of an architecture school or something. The people going into architecture school have that, you know, initial visceral, oh, wow, look at that. That's amazing, you know, and don't really kind of piece together what it took to get that building to where it's at now. Uh, you know, so, yeah, you're right. Well, I, I would say that, you know, what what you said about that's our perspective versus, you know, I bet you there are a lot of people who say that's not a, that's not architecture. Right? To, right to a lot of people architecture is tradition it, it, absolutely right it's yeah. it's dogma it's it's the architecture of the past and this is this is purely sculpture um or fashion yeah and 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 there's a lot to be <laughs> there's actually a lot to be said about 
the stance that a lot of traditionalists take when it comes to buildings like that. Because to me, and, and, and this was a discussion that goes all the way back to school, are you just creating like this little jewel box that can be picked up and put anywhere that has yeah. no real sense of place? Con- contextless. Right. <laughs> yeah, it has absolutely no context. It has no like state of being in one place or another. It literally could be picked up and put anywhere. Right. And something like the Disney Concert Hall is a great example of that. It it can be picked up and moved from place to place to place and no one would know the difference. You know, and Well, that's fact, true, but this also is a dichotomy because this building, when it does have an exterior presence and it does have an exterior um, experience, this building is really all about the concert space on the inside. And it, it, yeah. it is actually like you're inside an instrument. And yes, maybe it doesn't matter what its surroundings are, but it's not even... Who cares? Well, it, you know... In the ultimate use of the building, you're right. You know, it it is it's about you know, and and I know because if as much as I've read about the building is you know how much he went through, you know, painstaking design with you know acousticians or whatever, however you pronounce it properly, and is you know to really get it to work perfectly with the instruments and the music and everything else and just, but. That's not, I mean, does it, is the use of the building, if it's a successful use of the building, does that make it good architecture if the rest of it just kind of fails because it, it has no context? It has, and I'm not saying that this doesn't, I'm just, as a general, um, throwing it out there, does a building that doesn't, you know, really respond to its surroundings, um, but works perfectly as whatever it was supposed to be is that good or i mean is that architecture i mean yeah <laughs> i i just love that it it creates such a rich discussion you know i well, think that's an amazing thing yeah because yeah. let's look at the other side i mean one one of the examples that was brought up in the same meeting today was Khan's uh kimball art museum in texas right. yeah and, okay, so let's look at both of these examples as if they were studio projects in school. All right? Which one is going to get the attention? Assume that the graphics um, were equal in presentation. If Okay, so I pasted the link into Skype. You guys can check it out. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. But on greatbuildings.com, just go to the Kimball Art Museum and look at the plan drawing of that building. It's it's like super boring, right? It's I think it would as somebody said today in the meeting, it would get ripped to shreds in a crit, in a true crit, where you've got a jury showing up and, and they're basically, you know, judging your skills on layout. Or are but they, if go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, or are they judging your skills on fashion? Well, they could be, yeah. <laughs> because, well, yeah, it, because that building is, again, it, if you look at the planning, it is very simple. But if you go, as in most of Khan's work, if you go to the, the Salk or you go, if you see the Exeter right. Library, I mean, it's like you look at these buildings and they are about a, a move, yeah. one move typically, where you look at a Gary building, there is a lot going on there. And they, they're totally different. But if you experience the, the, the Kimball Art Museum from the inside, that's what it's about. Okay. Pure and simple. It's about light and mood. But you even still get the, you know, that light, and mood, and movement, and everything else from the exterior you know, as you're moving around it. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's still kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of sits there. But, I mean, it's got... It's, it's got a presence to me that far more contextual than like say the you know with, let, let's let's well, use one of uh, gary's art museums i wasn't than, even alive when this thing was built so i don't know but it, it's hard to say and, and if you well but think about it i mean you know still today to you um even though it's of you know 
a completely different time. There's there's movement and motion and all of these other things and the way that the light, you know, interplay of light in some of the more public spaces and even the exterior spaces with, you know, all of these different, um, you know, slatted roof and everything. It, it just, it actually makes you, it, it still gives you a, you know, a, a comfortable feeling. Uh, or at least that this is uh, I'm giving you my perspective. Well, look, I mean, and this also goes back to the discussion of the vernacular, right? I mean, that's why people love traditional architecture is because of the feeling it right. gives them. But well, but, I but don't let's know. but let's go back to, you know, something that you were saying a little bit earlier about okay, so when you go inside the Kimball Art Museum, you it functions perfectly as an art museum. You know, depending on, you know, your your thought of exactly what. I mean, there's numerous different people who have numerous different thoughts about how an art museum should work. Mm-hmm. But so but then you read like all of the criticisms and no, I haven't been in this building, so I really can't, you know, say whether or not a lot of the criticisms are right, but you read the criticisms about the Bilbao. Um, you know Guggenheim at Bilbao and you most of it is that it the building overpowers the artwork yeah right that it's so it's foreground so the question I mean does that make it a successful you know art art museum if it's overpowering what you actually are going there to experience and see you know I had this Uh, (laughs) how many people go there to see the building well (laughs) All the architecture students. And- All the architecture students. <laughs> the ones more. who are standing outside because they don't have enough money to go into the museum <laughs> and are sketching it and taking pictures. Yeah. Those are the pe- those are the people who go there to see the building. That's more than just the architecture students, I would have imagined. Well, that's true. Too. But, but I mean, okay, so... Sorry, I, tangent. I, well, I, I had this blog that's now defunct because the um, Twitter actually bought the... Um, God, I can't even remember what the blog Posterious or something. Posterious. Like. Posterious. 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 It's Posterious. not your rear. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> my, post, my posterior blog. Your posterior blog. That, um, and that's where it went. Exactly. <laughs> but it, you know, I, I had written a, kind of a comparison criticism about the Salvador, the new Salvador Dali Museum hmm. in St. Petersburg, Florida. And to me, it's pure eye candy. Because the experience when you go inside and you're trying to look at the work and experience to for me what it you know the reason why I went there was really about you know well actually the reason why I went there was because I used to work at the old Dolly Museum and knew and in even though it was in a prefabricated metal building the way that the interior was laid out. It gave you certain perspectives of certain different works and stuff in the way that they laid out the new building. All of those perspectives were removed. So you were staring at some of his two story tall masterworks at ground level staring up when Mm -hmm. in the old building you were kind of standing at half, you know, at kind of like the midpoint. Your perspective was different. So you had a completely different perspective in Mm -hmm. And to me, I thought that that was a better way. And in fact, you know, Dali himself intended them to be looked at in that particular way. Hmm. And, and so I was completely annoyed at the new building um, because the new building. It was an object. It was fashion. It, it was a jewel box. It was, mm-hmm. That's all it was. It was it, it nothing. It was intended. It was designed and intended for one purpose, and that was to house and display Dali's work. And it doesn't do it very successfully. Well, don't you think but that that building pretty. is kind of derived from? I, I would imagine. I don't. I haven't looked into it, but it's got to be derived from some something of Dali. I would well think by looking at it. You, they they make the claim that yes, okay. So so it's it's a big concrete box with a glass bubble basically melting through it. Yeah, the triangulated glass. Yeah, right. And and it, you know, it looks. I mean. It's attractive. The, the right. gestures look kind of cool, but you know, 
just well, from I, this. From I the wonder start. if 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 that pulls a lot of people in. I mean, I would think that the the concert hall does that too. But I wonder if the Kimball does that. Well, you know, I mean, it's street presence, if you will. That you know what in curb probably appeal? not probably doesn't have not. the right curb appeal. You know, in in another good example, and you know, it's another art museum is. Um, there's a, in fact, it's... You're killing me here with all these buildings, man. The I was thinking about... Go, go insane. I was thinking about the Denver Art Museum. Great, great example, you know. Um, it's, is it, you know, and, and, and without knowing anybody or anyone who's, and in fact, I haven't even read any write-ups on, you know, um, on how it's experienced and stuff, but, you know, you probably go there, <laughs> you probably go there for... Um, for the for the eye candy from the street, uh, you know I, I heck yeah I, I walk under that cantilever. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know in yeah. Well, and 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 there's even this crazy ass proposal for the LACMA in L.A. I mean, it's again, it's the object in the field, you know. But okay, so we know. And kind of let's bring this back around to the question that the guy yes. was asking you guys Good idea. is, so so we know that yeah, even though there are, you know, they are eye candy, and you know that that's what draws a lot of people in, and even you know controversy of its appearance is what draws people in, because you're going to have traditionalists who would have much rather seen you know this uh, Greek colonnade. And would much prefer to do, you know, experience a museum like that. But they're still going to go in because they want to see, you know, the modernist abomination that, you know, should have been something else. Um, but so we can look at that and we can see how, you know, what kind of went into creating that building. All of the different, you know engineering trades and all the architectural hours of interaction with the client and the engineers and everything else that went into it to make that whole building to kind of bring it back around to the whole building idea that I was kind of originally thinking about. That's really what um, we should be kind of focusing on in architecture school. I mean, we've, we've talked about, you know, couple of you know i think it was like one of the first one or first two episodes you know we had talked about you know the i guess our impressions of the failings of um of architectural education and how it doesn't kind of marry up with the actual practice of architecture and um i don't want you know i don't keep well i mean i guess one of the questions i have is Okay, so there, yeah, I, it it is like like you said, it's 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 hard to get back into. But is there even time to explore a solution that is beyond the 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 outer six inches of the building in a in a ten week class? I mean, really, well, the emphasis is form making, and it isn't planning. But do you because think- it is so much based on parametric uh, plugins, and 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 there's so many th- of these buzzword tools that people are trying to use and outdo, you know, the competitive nature of the studio class. And they're trying to outdo what they've done before and the other students in the class. And it, you never get to the meat of the problem. There's no client. Well, that's true. Yeah. Do you think that architectural studio is set up in the way that's just like you said, it's, it's really dissected into little small explorations and rather than that because in a way none of what we do on a daily basis i mean think about the many years that go into a single project you know maybe we should be approaching um education and you know and again i always keep going teach the basics the first two years do all of these little projects and do all these little you know teaching them about you know um, the golden section and all of these other different um, notions and, and ideas and, and fun things that we learn. 
but then start to put it into a practical application where you give them a year-long project. One project. Yeah. All year long. Well, look at Rural Studio, right? It, Rural Studio is a great example. In, in fact, that's, you know, I mean, that's an exception to the rule because you're, you know, they're, they're teaching you. I mean, you you go out there in second year. When you go out there in second year, you're doing a lot of design work and grunt work. But, you know, you're able to see, and, and this is the thing that I have always thought was the beauty of the Rural Studio. Um in, in something that I kind of preach to, um, you know, interns that come work with me, that it teaches you that the lines that you put on the paper actually mean something. Right. Greater than just, you know, the composition that you're creating on a 24 by 36 sheet of paper, it actually has to be built. And the beauty of that is, is that you're that person who put the pen you know the pencil to the paper is also swinging the hammer mm-hmm. and that i think is just the most invaluable tool because it actually shows you okay oops i screwed up on where i you know i i i did my calculations wrong or i did this you know i i just sketched this up and i thought it would look really cool but now that i actually build it and i see what the actual materials are and everything else I can't actually do it the way that I hoped to do it. The great thing about that is that it it takes the blame out of the equation. Exactly. Right? There yeah. is no one to blame. It's right. all on you. Yeah. And it isn't about pointing the finger. It is about finding the solution, which is what we are supposed to be doing anyway. It, yeah. Well, it's but a, Cormac, it's, I mean, shouldn't school also be a time when you you can play? and and maybe have some fun and not worry about so much can this be built but explore ideas and and i know it eventually has to be built but you know i mean one of the things that i don't know maybe it's just you know who who i was maybe it didn't didn't really matter but i thought one of the things that um hindered me in school was that i went and worked first and then you know for few years or something and, yeah, and then screwed off up. to school and <laughs> yeah well but i mean it always made me think in the it's back of practical. my head yes it made me think practically um and maybe that's just who i am so maybe that throws out that equation but um but i always felt that my fellow classmates that didn't have any experience had never dra- drafted you know detail in their life um you know, we're much more free to explore and not really think about could something be built or, or you know, they they nowadays they'd probably be the ones at the computers, you know, doing all the fancy plugins and you know, hey, check out this rendering technique. Doesn't that make my place, you know, this this skin look look cool? Well, but you know, but I mean, this is the time. That's the time to do some of that because you know we all know as soon as you get out of school. It's sit your ass at the desk and draft, fool, because I don't have time to pay you to play with, you know, the $1,500 plug-in that you just bought. Well, no, I think, honestly, now, I think that that, that's how it was when you got out of school, Neil. Okay. And when I got out of school. But now, the students coming out of school are not drafting. What are they doing? They're modeling, they're rendering, and they're doing Photoshop and presentations. Because no one in the firm who's been there a long time, knows how to do any of that stuff. But that is what the clients expect. But how different is that than when we got out of the uh, out of school and you got stuck in graphics? I did. I mean, well, I, mean, I got stuck job, doing details. Well, and and yeah. that's when putting a line on the page or in the computer mattered. Well, true. But, I, I mean, one of my first big jobs uh, or, you know, serious jobs after school, um, yeah, I was stuck in graphics for a while. Right. And before they ever let me sit down at, you know, all of the four computers they had at the, at the office at the time for 36 people, um, you know, I mean, then it was like, oh, well, we only draft things, you know, little fun old man, get off my lawn here. Uh, but, you know, we, we only draft plans in the computer, you know, elevations. Nah, we can't do that. That that's you got to draw those by hand. 
and then you know eventually somebody realized it's, that it just we, seems we like... could draw them in the computer and you know wow look where <laughs> well, we're at today it's so. always a transitional phase it seems like yes but let, yeah, but let me ask you this okay yes i will agree that school there needs to be a certain portion of school that is fostering the exploratory nature of architects so that they can learn and understand and appreciate the, you know, the spatial relationships of plan section elevation and everything else and really kind of understand space creating, you know, space Think, making. Thinking spatially. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, what are you going to school for? Well, so Cormac, as here's an, here's another example. Um, when when I was in school, um, I mean we we were doing things all by hand, and um, there was one quarter, and this was back in 1990, uh, where we, you know, the professor I had set up a class. He got four licenses to some you know crazy architecture architecture program out of out of uh, Europe called Archicad. You know, we, we all right. know about it nowadays, but I mean, hey. this, this was like version two point something. And, um, it, we spent an entire quarter doing nothing but exploring, you know, what we now call BIM. Um, but I mean, we could, we could model stuff and explore those insides and sections and plans. And, um, it was like, you know, it, one of the things we did was, our professor said, okay, well, for your first presentation, I want to see 50 per different perspectives. And, you know, that was unheard of at the time. I was like, I don't have time to draw that many different, you know, hand draw that. Well, with the computer, we could. And we could sit inside the spaces and actually experience them, I think, for the first time of all of our careers in three dimensions. Or, you know, what we called or what, what was kind of crude three-dimensional modeling at the time. But you know, that was a chance for us to really explore that. So I think with the tools that the students have today, I think they can take that to a whole nother level of of reality. I'm still blown away though, by when sitting down with trace and a pen Uh and you can look at a plan or a section and you can sketch in perspective what the inside of that space looks like because you think in 3d. Right. It's but, in your but, brain. But, you know but, how to do it. And you don't have yeah. to just place a camera in a virtual environment and, and look at it. Right. I, I mean, but I don't to me, can... that's a skill that is just, you cannot replace that. No, you right. can't. But I don't think, but, but Evan, you can't say that every, or, and I'm not implying you are, but I mean, not every student, just because they can model well, um, doesn't also have that ability to visualize. I mean... Um, and maybe if they had to draw it up, but I mean, the, the tools today are different. They don't have to sketch up yeah. that space in three dimensions, but I mean, they're, 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 they may be thinking about it in three dimensions. I know that's the way I think. And, you know, if I had better knowledge of the tools today, I can do fun stuff like you post, you know, that just makes me jealous as hell, all the cool renderings of things that you post on your site. I'm like, wow, I love that stuff. You know, I think that way, but I don't have the modeling skills. You know, I could maybe sketch it poorly because we don't do that so much anymore. I, back to your your question, Cormac. I, to me, I think the purpose, at least what I got out of school, was that I, and, and something I wouldn't trade for the world, is I learned how to learn. And I, and I really feel like it set me on a path of lifelong learning where I'm not ever feeling like I've got this figured out. And and I think that is one of the intangibles of a great architectural education. I mean, it, it is an amazing thing that teaches you, you don't know the answers and it's your job to figure them out. And that's why we are a generation of problem solvers, not even a generation. We are, this is a discipline of problem solving. Absolutely. And that, you know, that you, it sounds like what you just said sounds very much like a rant I was giving to someone as we were drop, driving to the job site. Yeah, you know, because 
you know, she's new, fresh out of uh, um, college. And I was, you know, asking her, you know, why did you get into architecture? And, you know, what do you think architecture is and all of this other stuff? And basically, you know, trying to get around to talking about problem solving and that that's kind of the that's the most um, you just said it. I mean, that that's the most important skill that we have is being able to identify and ask the questions and keep asking and keep learning. And, you know, you ask more questions and you learn more about the solution and then you keep asking more and it may have solved one solution, but now you're on to the next one and it just continues to build. You're right. I mean, that is one of the most valuable things that come out of school. But, you know, what about what should be the practical you know, the, the, you know, you've got the intangible of, you know, this desire to continue to learn and problem solve and things like that, that really is not quite a, a tangible thing, but what is the tangible things that we should expect, require, demand out of new graduates? Is it simply you should know the latest and greatest tool to draft, design, and model so that we can use you and abuse you to our you know, mm. fullest extent in doing renderings and modeling and things like that. And eventually you'll get the knowledge to, you know, really kind of cut it as an architect or, you know, an architectural professional. But as of right now, all we really need you for is, you know, can you crank this stuff out because we've got a presentation, you know, I mean, wh what, what is it that we should be expecting you know, as the tangible knowledge coming out of school. I mean, well, what was some Evan? What were some of the answers people in your office had for this gentleman? Well, my answer was, you've you've got to show an ability to think spatially, and you've got to. I guess one of the things that I don't like to see in graduates is, um, checking stuff off the list. You give them a set of red lines, and they do most of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? They yeah. they they just do them, and they're not thinking about what they're doing. But they're right. just doing. Right. And to me, right. that is a college training someone how to work in a cubicle rather than right. training someone how to think for themselves and even to ask questions. Even if that is the most annoying thing that you can think of on a Monday morning— as you know, someone who's who's worked in the profession, it is invaluable to the development of that individual to be able to have a safe place to ask a ton of questions yeah. and and fill their mind with experience that way. Um, and so, thinking spatially, learning how to learn, learning how to ask questions, and because honestly, like, is that is their their main skill if it is. Th rendering and, and modeling like that's that adds value to your firm i mean it is yeah. a it is something that is necessary and needed but what you don't want to do is pigeonhole that person into that position it's a right? big, it's Which a big because skill architects need to be well-rounded individuals who have a multitude of experience in so many of these different parts of the discipline it is a huge multidisciplinary vocation and we need to be able to think in business and in design and in production and in management and in, you know, all of these things. And there's no way we could ever expect someone to come out of school with that kind of education. Yeah, and I don't think uh, that's what I was actually getting at is, you know, are they able to, you know, out of the box be an architect? No. But there are a lot of people who complain about what people don't come out of school with, though, right? And and a lot of times I listen to the complaint and I'm like, do you seriously expect them to come out of school with that kind of experience? I complain about, I even complain about what they don't learn, but it's more in the intangibles that you were talking about on the, you know, yeah, the, it's okay to fail because when you fail, you learn and, you know, you can grow from that. And I think everybody is so fearful of failure yeah. or mistakes 
Um, um, but but Cormac, you're so right about that, and that's not a failure of architecture school. That's a failure of our education system in general. And, and I'm only oh, I, I say oh, that oh, as oh, yeah, as the parent of you know a first grader and a third grader right now. The uh, not only well, I mean, I'll, I'll say that part of this is peer pressure too. It's like you don't want to fail especially as an eight-year-old, you know, around all of your buddies in class. You don't want to look like a fool. I mean, nobody does. But fostering that environment in the classroom where, uh, you know, it is okay to fail or okay to ask questions, I don't see that in the elementary school right now. And, you know, maybe, therefore, we're not seeing it in architectural school, and maybe we're not, therefore, seeing it in the, in, the, in the office. But you're right, Evan. You have to have that sense. or Well, and, and also, too, as the individual, you have to take it upon yourself to ask the stupid question. Sure. We hear well, it all and the I, time, right? It's don't okay you think to ask stupid questions, but don't you none think of us want to do it. Don't you think going to architecture school kind of cures you of that, though? I mean, I know it did for me. It, you had to unlearn all of the stuff that all those bad habits that were taught to you in regular school. I mean, I know I did in mine and, and going through juries and crits, how many times did you hear at the end of your quarter or semester, you know, that was a good first pass, right? And you're like, first pass. I just spent 10 weeks or whatever, 16 weeks or whatever you went through of my life on this. And this is the 20th version of this project that I, you know, I built 12 study models and I did digital models and I did all these drawings and I've got gone through three rolls of trace. That wasn't a first pass. And now looking back at that as a professional, like I could have gone through that 10 weeks in one week, right? Because now I, I can be so much more focused and I have so much more experience that to me, sitting on a jury, that is a first pass right? But it was so degrading to go through that. And you go through that enough and you finally start to realize that that's the right perspective to have because you do get more experience and you do get faster at it. And you start to get rid of those bad habits. Right. But But isn't it also the point, and I know we have this as one of our topics to talk about at some point, is, you know, isn't it the point though of being on a jury to be told, you know, that's crap. And, and, you know, it may be decent, but, you know, it's crap. And <laughs> wow. you got to learn from that, right? I mean, you have to learn that it is your first pass. And yeah. maybe that's the point. Well, and it is the first pass according to them, right? It's the first time they're well. seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But, know. you know, I, I, I mean, who wants to go to a crit and just be told, you know, you're great? Um, and maybe, maybe you are, Me. but you, <laughs> well, you are, you know, Cormac. <laughs> I think that, yeah, that's, that's, a, it's, it's a really interesting thing to talk about. And I think we've been all over the place tonight, but well, we have, we never promised to stay on topic and, and it is kind of like everyone's just listening in on our conversation. Um, but these are, these are real issues. You know, the, the education thing is a, is a huge issue that, that, a lot of people are talking about. Obviously, it's not just us, and we know we know people who are taking that issue head on. Um, and I think it's a really interesting problem. And I think it's something that the industry has to get a lot more involved in. If if there's something that we want out of the education system, then we it's on us to tell them and to make it happen. I mean, because otherwise, they're operating in a vacuum. You know what I mean? And and so that it is, a, it is an issue that people need to devote time to if it's something that they want to see something else come out of. It, yeah, it's really I, interesting. I yeah. think the answer to the first question tonight, which is, is architecture fashion, is really individualized. I know it was a question that was asked, I think, when I first started architecture school. It's like, okay, write a paragraph or write a paper. What is architecture? Everybody has a different opinion of what is architecture. And some people are going to think that, you know, the Denver Art Museum or the Disney Concert Hall is architecture. And to some people, that is architecture. And then to other people, you know, the the Kimball Museum or just, you know, the house next door, that's architecture. So it, it's something different to everybody. 
And I don't think either one is right or wrong. But as an architect, when I look at something like this Disney concert hall, I just go, what? <laughs> but I'm like, wow, uh, maybe I just don't think that way. Um, and well, I know, think a lot of it has to do with that somebody does and it they get to... it and they get it built. Well, that's a huge thing. But I mean, a lot, you know, I, I guess a lot of it comes down to you've got to go experience it for yourself. Yeah. And then you get to decide, right? And it might not take more than one visit. But I went to Sydney thinking, you know, Sydney Opera House, you know, it's kind of weird, right? But when I was there and I actually got to touch it and walk around the whole thing, it took on a whole different meaning to me. And I think, you know, the concert hall was like that for me too. And I think a lot of times when we look at these buildings that we do not get, right? I mean, you look at it in a photograph, in a two-dimensional image, how can you get it? You know what I mean? You, um, architecture and has to be experienced. It does have to be it's experienced. And I think that that is also one of the differentiators of architecture versus fashion or architecture versus a building. Yeah. It is not something purely to look at. It is something to be experienced in that it really can change your mind. It could change your mood. It can do a lot of things. And that's what makes it more. That's what makes it architecture. Yeah. To me, at least. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap it up tonight, guys. What do you think? All right. So if you have any questions or comments, please visit our website at com, Or you can also find our individual Twitter accounts, which are listed on the website as well. You can follow ArcaSpeak on Twitter, and uh, please post links or interesting topics on our Facebook page. And don't forget to call and leave a message. We're still waiting for that first caller. That who's it going to be? The who's number be? is four one five four eight four two nine, or excuse me, eight four nine six. It's listed on the website. That's why nobody's calling, calling us because I misquote the number. <laughs> it's on the website. And you can click a link too. Um, so, and then also, um, lastly, uh, don't forget to leave us a, a review on iTunes. We're proudly the most reviewed architectural podcast on iTunes, so we want to keep that up. Woohoo! Okay, guys, thank you very much. All right, see you next time. See you next time. See you guys.
It's our podcast. Podcast. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. What you talking about? <laughs>